Please take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Find that on page 1302 in a Schofield Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, we'll begin in verse 30. Hebrews 11 and verse 30. Hebrews 11 and verse 30. By faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not, when she had received the spies with peace. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me. Sorry, let's start over. Hebrews 11 and verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Brother George, would you come pray for the service? God, just again, we come thanking you for another beautiful day, Lord. Thank you for your blessings already that we've received. I pray, Lord, today for those that's here today, God, give them a blessing, Lord. Be with those today, Lord, that's sick. Touch their bodies at your will. Be thy pastor, God, anoint him a fresh oil. May the power of God be upon him. As it delivers a message that you've got for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Again, if you have your Bibles there, be turning to Joshua chapter number 6, page 264. If you have a King James Schofield Bible, amen? And if you don't have one of them, come see me and we'll give you one, all right? Joshua chapter 6, verse 22. But Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out this to woman and all that she hath. She swear unto her. Young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her mother and her, and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. They brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. They burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron, they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the heart of the life and her father's household and all that she had. She dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to Jericho. We started a couple weeks ago on this thought when faith testifies. We invited a couple weeks ago Joseph and he testified to the adequacy of faith, the God that is more than enough. Amen? He's still more than enough. Last week, we invited Noah to come, and we had him to testify of the action of faith, or a faith that works. Noah was moved with fear, believed God, built an ark to the saving of his family. This morning, we would like to invite a lady. We've had two men today. I believe we ought to have a lady to stand up and testify to the ability of faith. Or, if you will, a grace on display. A grace on display. J. Hudson Taylor stated this. There's three ways that we serve God. 
We make the best plans and hope they succeed. Second, we make our own plans and ask God to bless them. I believe a lot of Christians live right there. But there is a third way. Ask God for His plan and do what He tells you to do. Amen. Chapter 6, we find Joshua getting God's plan and doing exactly what he said to do. And again, it demonstrates how that God uses the foolish things to confound the mighty, the weak things to confound the strong, and the humble things to mess up the proud. With Gideon, he had an awesome army, but God whittled it down to 300, and God used torches and pitchers. With David, he used a sling and a stone. We looked at that the other day. With Joshua, he used trumpets and shouting and marching around the city. It's all he used. But I'm amazed at the fact that God not only used men, but he used women just as well. As a matter of fact, God inspired Matthew to list the names of the family tree of Jesus. In that list are some kings and there's some heroes and praise God for that. But man, you read that list, there's some sinners in there. There's some murderers and prostitutes and all kinds of characters in the list of that before they come to know Jesus. In that list, there's four women mentioned, or ladies mentioned, if you will. As a matter of fact, they're the most unlikeliest candidates that you would choose. There's Ruth. She's an idol worshiper from Moab, God's washpot. There's Tamar. She masqueraded herself as a prostitute, tricked her father-in-law to having uh, sleeping with her and having children by her. There is Bathsheba, you know, she sinned with David. Let me just throw this out. David sinned, no doubt. God judged him for it, but she didn't say no. Like Vashti did, she could have, but she never. But then notice Rahab. And she's a harlot. Now, the Bible don't believe bunches. He didn't say she had an alternate lifestyle. He said she's a harlot. And not only that, but she's a Canaanite living in Jericho. Isn't it amazing? God uses some really flawed people. That ought to be enough to make all of us shout. I want to have about three laps around the church. Because I'm telling you this morning, every one of us are flawed in some fashion or some way. As a matter of fact, if you don't feel you're flawed, I really feel sorry for you. Because not only have you been lying to everybody else, but you've been lying to yourself. And when you talk to the people closest to you, we're going to find you probably got a whole bunch of flaws. I'm glad God specializes in using the black sheep of the family. I'm glad he, he, he specializes in using broken people and flawed people in his great work. I love this. Jesus told the Pharisees one day, 
He says, One of them twain did the will of his father. And they said unto him the first, Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. I mean, he looked at that religious crowd. I mean, he's high-browed. They was proud about how good and holy they was. He said, the harlots is going to get into heaven before you get there, buddy. Man, what a statement. See, God uses, I praise God for that. I'm glad God uses crooked things. Notice what Isaiah said. Every valley should be exalted and every mountain and hill should be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. One day God's going to take all of this, this crowd of, uh, of crooked and, and broken and, and flawed people and one day God is going to make us just like Him. Amen. We find this flawed person named Rahab. And she's going to testify. Now, it's amazing. She's listed three times in the Word of God. Now, that may not mean much to you until you understand the premium of space in the Word of God. The Bible says in the book of John that if everything Jesus said and done was recorded the world would not contain the books. So that tells me everything that is here is of the utmost importance if it found its place in here. She's mentioned three times. She's listed in Matthew 1. She's listed in Hebrews 11. And she's listed in James 2.25 where it says likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works which had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. So we find, now there's some facts about this ability of faith and I've just got two points to this morning so don't put your shoes on though. Them two points might be a little long. Bible says in Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men the secretly sent, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Now Joshua, the people are fixing to enter in to the promised land. And Joshua says, I want two men, two spies to go. But I especially, gentlemen, want you to go to Jericho. He wanted them to see the walls, the gates, the number of the inhabitants, the size of the army. He wanted them to, to get a view uh, of that great uh, wall that was said that you just couldn't get in. You just couldn't get in. So he sends them. Now they enter into the house of Rahab the harlot. Perhaps they got in by, by pretending to be traveling merchants. And honestly, it wouldn't have seemed strange because a lot of strange men went into Rahab's house because of her profession. No doubt many travelers would stop at the gate and say, where's the closest harlot? And they'd say, well, Rahab's house is right up there. And so they entered in, but somewhere, and then another reason, don't miss another reason, they entered into Rahab's house her house had a window that was to the outside wall, which meant 
they could escape if necessary. Now, no doubt, no doubt somewhere in the midst of this, somebody told, maybe one of Rahab's customers, maybe somebody passed by and said, you know, you don't look just right. You don't look like a, a, a merchant. You look like a soldier. You look like a soldier. Something different about you. I thought it was interesting. For 250 years, critics said of this passage in the Word of God that it was absolutely not true. And the reason they said there's no way Rahab could have lived in that wall. And I love this. A few years ago, they excavated the walls of Jericho. And Jericho had two walls that went around the city. Had an inside wall and an outside wall. And they spanned 12 feet. And guess what they found when they excavated that? They found a multitude of houses that had been built, timbers placed between them two walls and houses built between them two walls. The two walls acting like pillars and timbers placed and houses built inside those walls and windows on the outside. Isn't that amazing? Long before they excavated, God told us what was true in the Word of God. Isn't that something? But all of a sudden, officers came, and no doubt they thought, well, Rahab, she'll, she'll do her patriotic duty. She'll tell us the truth. Maybe they had questioned her many times before. But no doubt, she that day, that day, something was different. These men were different. And she hid them. Now, before we get too far, there's, there's a little something in that passage you may have never seen. She hid them in the flax on top of the roof. She's a prostitute. She's a harlot. She didn't make a living farming. Why is there flax on top of that roof? Somewhere, sometime, this woman was making a change in her profession. Flax was the work of a farmer. They would take the flax and they would dry it out and make baskets and, and even thread and stuff like that and make stuff out of it. And so they would dry it out on top of the roof and it would be sold. Here's somebody that just by what's been said, it looks like she's a fixing to change professions. Amen? Isn't that something? But all of a sudden they come in and they're different than other men. Perhaps she, when they come in, she said, gentlemen, what would it be today? And they said, we're not interested in that. Oh, I know who you are. I know who you are. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she recognized they were different. So when the soldiers left, she asked them, she said, would you save my family? And they said, yeah, you drop a, a cord, a, a scarlet cord out the window, and we'll know whose house it is. And we promise you, if you don't tell, then you'll be kept safe. So basically, that's the story. But there's just two truths this morning.
that I want us to get about this ability of faith are grace on display. Point number one, this kind of faith shows that it's real. It shows others and people that what you got is real. After the soldiers left and the men come back down, Rahab began to talk to them. And she said, gentlemen, she said, we've heard how the Red Sea dried up and walked over on dry ground. We've heard how the armies of Pharaoh were, were, were drowned and, and, and destroyed. We, we've heard how you conquered the Amorite, the king of Amorites, Og and Shahan. We, we, we heard how you destroyed their walled cities. We heard how God has moved and worked. And they said, we've heard and about the God of Israel and believed in His power. I love this. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. She's a, she's a harlot. She's living in Jericho. She's a harlot. And she's telling the spies, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. She said, all of Jericho is terrified because of you. She said, listen, your terror is fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. Rahab saw her countrymen as they saw God at work through His people. And I want you to know, and this led her to say, man, I'm, I'm giving up this lifestyle. I'm going to embrace a faith in their God. For we've heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what He did to the two kings of the Amorites. Here's what she's just saying. She's just saying, we've heard, we've heard, we've seen, we've seen, we know, we know. This morning, let me tell you what kind of faith we need. We need a faith this morning. Not what you say. Now please don't boo me out. I don't care if you get up and have a shouting fit this morning. It won't bother me one bit. I mean, I scare half of them to death around here. Amen. We might think you're on dope or something, but I'll tell you what, it'd be okay. It's a praising God. But I want you to know, no matter how much you shout, and how much you praise God here, if the people at your house, and the people where you work, and the people around you, cannot see there's something real, then you don't have the kind of faith that Rahab had. She said, I saw she said, I've heard. And she said, I want you to know. She said, it's making a change. No doubt she done put a sign on the door. Rahab the harlot is out of business. It's Rahab the farmer now. 
I want you to know whatever it was. She said, I heard about your God and I've seen what God's doing. Can I help you this morning? Oh, I, I, I know this is a popular message, but it's a true one. You want to make a difference in your children, in your family, in your home? You want to make a difference? Here's how you make a difference. They need to hear about the God that you serve. Let me just say this. Please don't boo me out now, okay? Promise me you won't boo me out. How many promise you won't boo me out? You're grumbling and complaining and belly aching about every little thing and raising the devil about everything just tells him your God's dead. You're telling them your God can't do a thing. All they do is hear you complain and grumble and belly ache about everything. All they do is hear you whine about something. Ain't right. This ain't good. That ain't good. All they're hearing is you. They hear you complain about the job. They hear you complain about this. But they never hear you say, but we just want to thank God for the food that He gives us today. Amen. They hear this, okay, hold on, pray. They hear that. Oh, our children, our grandchildren need to hear about the God that we serve. Could I share a testimony, dear lady, that I talked with you about yesterday? Can I share that? Yeah? Can I share that? Are you sure? Okay, good. That means you ain't going to get mad. Okay. One Sunday night, one Sunday night, Miss Ashley, church says, hey, Miss Ashley, come up here. We sat down right here on a pew, and uh, I said, Miss Ashley, I said, if you'll put God in the center of your life, God can make, give you exactly your heart's desire. She looked at me and she said, well, preacher, I'm just telling you now, that's an impossibility. She said, that won't happen for me. She said, that's done gone, that's over with. It ain't going to happen. And she walked off, no, please, it ain't about my praying. It ain't about my praying. It's about the God that hears and answers. And she walked off. I said, God, would you just give her what she desires to show her forever that, God, you can do the miraculous. Yesterday, she walked down an aisle and she got a miracle. I'd ask for a different miracle. But anyway, hallelujah. I'd got, I, if I was going to get a miracle, I'd got something better than that. I'll tell you that. But she got a miracle. Amen. A year and a half, she said, no, that's an impossibility. God said, yes, it's possible. Here was a woman she'd heard. Oh, may I say this morning, we believe in God that's real because His people were doing something that, that only could be explained by His presence and His power. Reason why we wanted not now please don't don't get sideways on me. I, I appreciate everything everybody gives for the bus ministry. But you know what? Some and, and thank you, thank you, it's appreciated. But some give out of their abundance. But God chooses to put his power on display. By letting little old youngins make something and run in a community and sell it. 
Because they give all they had. They give all they had. I'm assuming Benji's $44 little hunter gave all he had. See, when we, and you know, you say, preacher, why you talk? We need to talk about it. We need to tell people where we're at. My goodness, if you don't have a God that's that away, get a hold of that God. You need to get a hold of that God. That is, that Rahab had, had faith in a God that had the ability to do what she, that nobody else could do. See, in her own, uh, on her own eyes, in her own, own voice, she said, done. I mean, we know you're going to destroy the land. But she said, I, I'm just going to put my faith in that God. That's what Gideon done. God took his... Now you're talking about... Somebody said, boy, you believe God's unjust? When I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to him about this. I think this is just be a cruel thing to do. He's got a 32,000 man army. 32,000. And God whittles it down to 300. And then says, okay, now you're ready to go fight. And Gideon went... But before he went, God did something for him. God let him and one of his buddies slip down and they're eavesdropping in a tent. And they're in that tent are talking about how Gideon and his army is going to destroy the entire land. And Gideon goes back and says, Man, did you hear that? Man, he got his 300 soldiers, their pitchers and their, tor- and, and, and their little candles and, and the trumpets, and here they went to fight. Samson defeated an army with just a jawbone of a donkey. Second Corinthians says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Henry Blackaby says this, the kind of assignments God gives are always God-sized. Can I help you? We talk about so much of the world and the mess, and it is a mess. We talk about so many things, but somewhere we need to be talking about the greatness of God. Rahab was talking about. She said, we've heard, we've seen what you're going to do. I love this. You say, but you don't understand. We're com- I'm, I'm completely boxed in. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I want to believe what you're saying, preacher. I really do. I want that kind of faith. But I don't know what to do. Oh, you're in real good company. Second Chronicles 20, 12 Oh, Jehoshaphat said this, O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Listen to what he said. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. He said, we don't know what to do. He said, we're standing here and we're looking to you. God told them the next day. He said, you take the choir and you go 
went down there to the battlefield of singing. And when he got down there, the battle had already been won. Already been won. So we find here, Second Chronicles 20, 29, and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. They need to hear. That means some of us have got to go home and change what we're talking about. You told everybody, ah, your life is so bad. You told everybody why this ain't happening and that ain't happening. You told everybody, they listen, how bad your world is. Okay? What's he got you? Produce the results. You've told everybody. But when's the last time you told them about how great your God is? When's the last time you, you, you related to them how God answered that prayer? I sat there and I watched Ashley walk down the aisle. My mind run back to that Sunday night. I was about to have myself a shouting fit right there. I thought, my God, hallelujah, now you're going in, sure enough, that you're God. That you're God. I wonder, do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of faith? In the, the, it's a, it's a, the ability of faith. But then the second thing, and oh, I love this one. Now I must stop right here and, and throw out a disclaimer. I, I need to throw out a disclaimer for all of you. So if you're in this category, I, I, I want you just I want you to listen to me very, very. Uh, first of all, if you're in this category, I apologize to you because for the next few minutes, what I'm going to say won't mean anything to you. If you're in the category that you're perfect, you've never sinned, you've never had to start over, you're judgmental of everybody that does fail, everybody, you're so judgmental, and you're unforgiving, let me just say, I apologize for the next few minutes, because what I'm about to say is not going to help you or relate to you at all. But the rest of us, I'm glad this kind of faith says we can begin again. This kind of faith says that God is a God of a new beginning. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we never messed up? Wouldn't it be great if we never failed? Wouldn't it be great if we never faltered? Wouldn't it be great if we'd done everything God wanted us to do according to the Word of God and we met everybody's expectations? Wouldn't that be great? Truth of the matter is, though, don't happen. Don't happen. Truth of the matter is, most... I've stumbled and fallen so many times that at times it's even hard to get back up. 
Now, life keeps going. Are you listening? Because life is not a game. Life keeps scores. Now God's very, very, very clear. Don't, please don't miss what I'm about to say. The Bible said, did God pervert judgment or does the Almighty pervert justice? And the answer to that is no, He doesn't. Isaiah claims He's holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. And He is. And He's just. And God's not going to say to murderers, liars, gossipers, thieves, adulterers, let's pretend it never happened. He's not going to do that. Somebody's got to pay. But the great news is somebody has. Jesus paid for it on the cross called Calvary. Amen. He took the consequences of our sin and paid for them himself. John Norberg said, if there's one way that human beings consistently underestimate God's love, it is perhaps in His loving longing to forgive. Don't miss this. You can be hell-bent you're not going to forgive, but God will never join you in that. Never justify. He will never justify your unforgiveness. Never, never, never. You live in that world by yourself. You say you don't know what they've done. Show me your hands. Are there nail scars there? Show me your head. Is there a hose pierced from a crown of thorns? Show me your back. Is it been ribboned? With a cat of nine tails. Show me where they nailed you to a cross and crucified you. I take you to one. They did. And while he stood suspended between heaven and earth, he said, Father. I want you to go down there and prime everyone. No, he didn't say that. The good news for modern man. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive. Forgive. You want a hell on earth? Are you listening? If you want a heart that's hard and bitter and, and hell on earth, you live life with a stubborn unforgiveness. And you'll live that life all your life. Please. You, I, if, you're, if you're determined you're going to live there, I tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to go get a bubble to climb into. And you have to have somebody shove your food in underneath it. You can never leave, never do anything wrong because you're going to have to try to live perfect the rest of your life. Because I don't know about you. I needed forgiveness last week. I got a hunch I'm going to need forgiveness this next week. I got a hunch I'm going to need forgiveness for today. So, I got a hunch I'm going to mess up somewhere. 
I'm not going to sign up to mess up. I'm not going to do it on purpose. But guess what? Somebody cuts out in front of me. I think some bad thoughts. <laughs> now don't look at me like you're such a holy. I've heard some of you. Amen. Oh, truth is, truth is, every one of us will have to have a God that will forgive us afresh and anew. Here's a harlot. Here's a harlot. She's, by the way, God never changes her name. Always Rahab the harlot. Can I help every mom and daddy? When somebody loves you or your family enough to tell you the truth, don't get mad when they call sin what it is. Jesus longs to hear us repent and forgive because he's faithful and just to forgive. He'll cast our sins as far as east is from the west and remember them no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Notice Rahab's faith took her from her sinful past and placed her on the same let me just throw this out from the front of that church to the back of that church if you think you're so godly and holy that you couldn't sit down beside anybody in this church I I might as well just go ahead and bust your bubble you're so far from God you don't even know which ends up Notice, placed on the same pew with Abraham, the father of faith, Sarah, Moses, David. And after the fall of Jericho, she's taken back to Israel. She married a man by the name of Salmon. Many believe tradition says he's one of the spies. Isn't that something? They have a son named Boaz. You say, Boaz. Mm. I've heard Boaz. Oh yeah, Boaz is that one that rides up on that stallion and gets off and looks down the field and sees a, a Ruth down there gleaning. He said, Wow, man, who's that? He didn't say exactly that away, but that's what he said. Man, who's that? And from that moment on, he was going to get her no matter what. Same Boaz. He was the father of Obed. Boaz and Ruth got married. He was the father of Obed, who was her grandson. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And you say, man, I heard Jesse. Yeah, Jesse's the one that Samuel went and said, Hey, Jesse, got any boys? And he lines them all up from the oldest and he comes down and he says, Jesse, got any more? Yeah, I got one little run of a kid down there watching sheep. 
And Jesse says, we won't sit down till he gets here. And so they went got David and he anointed him with oil. And David, it was in the lineage of David came Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is Paul said this. Forgetting those things behind and every person here with exception of maybe the babies has a past. Forgetting those things behind and today could be the day of a new beginning of reaching for those things ahead and putting God in the center of it with a brand new beginning. God believes in second chances, third chances, four chances. Oh, I want you to know, God is a forgiving God. And she, her faith, the ability of faith, was a grace that says you can have a new beginning. Oh, give us the faith that we need to make this happen in our lives. Some of you are living in your past. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You wasn't treated right. I'm so sorry that person left you that you can't get past. I'm sorry that one mistreated you. I'm sorry that you were that you were violated in and in, in a way that should never have happened. I'm sorry all of that but the truth is I can't change it nor can you but this morning Jesus says why don't we just forgive it why don't we put it on the cross and leave it there do like David knock it down with a stone when you come to an altar but before you leave cut its head off so it don't get back up so it don't get back up and realize I'm just not living in that world no more. But I'm going to live in a world by faith and believe God. And from this moment on, I'm going to believe God. See, the value of the Bible is not knowing it, but obeying it. That's the value of it. It's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed.